0: Yes, I will. I will think about it. All right, take your Bibles, turn to Luke, Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. If if you are able to internalize the message from today, it'll be one that sticks with you the rest of your life. If you're able to digest this information that the Holy Spirit is going to feed you from his word, the word of God, you won't, you won't be the same. I mean it. I told my wife, I, I kind of like mold over this like multiple times. And I'm just sitting there at the kitchen table last night looking over it again. And, I'm, and I just told her, I'm like, this is, this is it. Like this passage is a game changer. You ever read something in the Word of God and you're just like, it just floors you? You know what I mean? I mean, it just next level floors you. That, that was this passage for me. Can you go back to that title slide, Brandon? And, and, I, and I believe that this is, this is something that, it can be a thermostat in your life. It can be something that, that shows you where you are and where you need to be. So the title is Spiritual Thermostat, Money and Anxiety. Money and Anxiety. So consider this. We just read the Bible in our preaching here at Bethlehem, we just go right through the Bible, expositionally, right? Next chapter, next verse. So what's nice, what's cool about that is I get to see what topics, like topically what we cover based on what Jesus covered. You know what I mean? Like how awesome is that, that I'm not just picking a series of what I think we should go through and what I think we should learn. like I'm just going through a book of the Bible, and whatever comes up, we're just dealing with it then, right? So when Jesus is in the setting that he was last week and and tying up all of the the teaching on uh, the hypocrites, the Pharisees and scribes, and then turning towards his disciples, I see this. This is where we land. We land on a spiritual thermostat. How many of you know what a thermostat is? All right, we may have to explain that a little bit more for some of you that didn't raise your hand. How many of you know? No. Okay, your BGMe build must be really high. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> they send me this peak rewards thing. <laughs> <I> go green. <laughs> anyway, so spiritual thermostat, Luke chapter twelve, and uh, let's look at verse thirteen. I got to get there for I'm I'm all over the place this morning. Verse thirteen. And one of the company said unto him. So I'm I'm trying to, I think if you're paying attention throughout our readings, this is going to help you in your personal Bible study, right? And I try to point things out so that you think about them next time you read the Bible. So verse 12 says, for the Holy Spirit shall teach you in the same hour what ye ought to say. So we wrapped up last week how a Trinitarian view of God will totally change you. You're going to be everything you need to be in in Christ. And then verse 13, where we're starting today, it says, and one of the companies said unto him. So when we have a statement like that, what I want you to understand is that they're in the same context. The same what? Setting. So last week when I said, hey, and it took us a couple weeks, this was him turning towards his disciples, those that wanted to learn, and he was saying, hey, learners is, is what it is in the Greek. All of you students, listen to what I'm saying. He's still in that context right now today. He's saying, and one of the company said unto him, same, same group of people, right? Master, so that's really, that carries the connotation of leader, spiritual leader. We could call it rabbi. They looked at him as a rabbi. Remember, he came into his own. Those that were in the context of being a Jewish uh, orthodox, Right? Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto them, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? I'm just saying, I love the way Jesus says things. (laughs) You know it's coming. And he said unto them, Take heed, and beware of, what is the next word? Covetousness. Covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth, And he spake a parable unto them. And he's like, okay, story time. Saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said unto him, "Thou what fool! This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? O oh, son, now who gonna get it? <laughs> so is he that layeth up treasure for who yeah. himself, and is not rich toward." Uh. Jesus just gave us a spiritual thermostat. He just gave us something that is in our lives specifically to gauge and measure. How many of you like gauges? How many of you like measures? How many of you like rulers? How many of you like rules? How many of you don't? That's me right there. I don't want to gauge. I don't want to measure. I want an open area where things, anything can happen. Anything. Anything. I'm creative, but the problem is, is in my birth order, right? So I'm a baby of the family, and hence, that's my creativity if you're into birth order. But I'm also the firstborn male. So the firstborn male in a family carries leadership, character traits, which are like rule following and, and you know projecting on other people, but yet, I'm a baby of the family, so I'm still creative. So I'm schizophrenic. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. <laughs> But at the same time, I can be both, and, and I thank God for that, I guess. <laughs> but the point is, is there are certain people that don't like measures and others that do. And however God wired you, they're important either way. If you have no clue what a thermostat is, God bless you. But they're important. It is going to send a piece of paper to your house or an email to your inbox once a month. That- going to be, be determined largely in part, I think, unless there's some kind of evil man that's just charging us, might be, anyway, uh, but largely in part on what you set your thermostat at. So as Christians, remember, in this context, it's students, those of you that want to learn, and those of you that just digested what I said, what I mic dropped on, which is if you understand... As a learner, as a disciple, what God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit means in your relationship to the gospel, your life is going to be radically changed in in and of itself that the Holy Spirit is literally going to give you the words to say. And then somebody pipes up in the crowd, right, and says, Hey, teacher, my brother's over here, and he just took all the inheritance. Can you tell him to give me half of it? (laughs) That's what just happened, right? That's, that's the story. So in verse 13, a man asks Jesus to rule in his favor in regards to his inheritance that the brother received. Chances are the man's brother was present, right? Considering that the man wanted Jesus' righteous judgment at that moment. So he was probably calling out his brother right then and there. Because he's like, man, I got Jesus, and if I can get you know, Jesus to be like, yeah, yeah, give him half. He'll be like, all right, cool. Just apple pay me, bro. All right, you ready? no. So, anyway, Jesus is righteous up now at another moment, and chances are, he was deserving of it, or else, because the man knew, right? He said, teacher, teacher, hold on one second, switch hands here. So, if he, if he wasn't doing something that was just, Jesus would have called him out on it, right? So, chances are, what he was asking for was probably legitimate, uh, but Jesus uses this opportunity to share a very valuable lesson, no pun intended, valuable, anyway, <laughs> We're just coming off the admonition for us to be real. Think about this, setting the stage here. For us to be real and not to act as though they are something that they are not. Remember, he's saying, look, if you're a learner, if you're a disciple, I I just want you to behave. I don't want this to be an act. I don't want it to be a show. I want this to be the real deal, right? So just coming off of that, Jesus explained that the acceptance of God in a trinitarian sense will lead them to a general spiritual I'm, I'm sorry a genuine spiritual condition that has pure motives how many of you want to seek god with pure motives anybody come on pure motives i mean if we're not doing it through pure motives then why are we doing it why are we here? If it's an act, if it's a charade, you know, let, let's just go online. I mean, there's so much church online nowadays. Let's just log in, get what we need, send our money in on the Internet, and end the story. Done, right? We've, we've accomplished what we need to accomplish. But that's not it. There's so much more to your relationship to God. How many of you believe that? I think my beard, my mustache hair is going up in there and tickling my nose a little bit. <laughs> Distracting. First, it was the screen. Brandon, now it's my... Anyway. <laughs> Ooh, that was loud. This is no coincidence that Jesus moves from the spiritual realm to the physical. You know, and, and I'm not one to like to preach about certain topics, but I'm going to do it today. Huh, you know what I'm saying. I'm doing it because Ms. Tanya is here and, and she would let me know that I need to speak truth. I'm going to be direct with you today. I'm going to give you a lot of information. My goodness, I need my, my, uh, my mustache comb. I'm going, to be direct, I'm going to be direct with you today. Because some of you, your thermostat's way off. After I read this passage, I was like, oh my goodness, this is it. Money right here. Holy Spirit, just teach me what I need to learn. Help me hit the reset button. And this comes at a funny time too, and I'll explain that in just a second. But Jesus is moving from the spiritual, follow me, the spiritual realm. Understand that the devil is the father of all lies. And that the only way to accomplish a work and be a true disciple is for you to accept god as the source of all things and his son jesus which is me i'm giving it to you palatably i'm living this life of victory so that you can own what i'm doing and the holy spirit if you just accept jesus for who he is he's gonna feed it to you on a silver platter the holy spirit of god this is all such a spiritual realm right Wow, the Holy Spirit is going to come inside. Paul even said it in his writings. I renew the inward man daily. There's a place where you go and you connect with God on the inside. But, that's going to show itself. And if it doesn't, that's where the righteous man, the Bible says, judgeth all things. You see, we only know the context Uh, of the verses that we absolutely need in our lives and in our tool bag. Well, here's a verse for that one. (laughs) Right? We're so good at that. And we're so good at spiritualizing things. But Jesus knew that they were really good at spiritualizing things. So he said, how about I just pull out a couple little things in the physical earth that are going to be indicators of whether or not you're actually telling the truth. And from there, we'll let that decide. Does everybody understand the context of what's happening right now? Okay. No coincidence. Here's the thermostats. Are you pretending or are you genuine? It's also important, I want to clarify this, it's also important to realize that an overemphasis on the thermostat itself and not the unit that is actually providing the cool air is also a mistake. As I was meditating on this, I thought, hmm, That's what the Pharisees did. They picked the thermostat, right? You're tithing off of your mint and your rue. This was just a few chapters ago. They put an overemphasis on the physical revelation of it, and they missed the whole point of the fact that it's the air conditioner outside that's providing the cool air. This is just an indicator of whether or not the system is working. So therefore, Church of God, Church in 2000, what is it, 19... How are you? Are you so fixated on your thermostats? Money and anxiety, I'm good. I give it all. I ain't got no anxiety. We are, we are gone. Here we go, right? Can we go back one? I think it's maybe one. No, you're right. You can go to the other one. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Bright and shiny gadgets are still gadgets. How many of you have a smart thermostat? You have a Nest? Anybody have a Nest? How many of you have a Lyric? You may know what a Lyric is. That's the that's the one I got. I got it on sale. But so we have this thermostat that tells us on the phone and they sell it to you like, you know, it's going to save you all this money, right? And it pays itself back, and I don't know how that works, but I think it's just the fact that we do really dumb things with our thermostat, and if we let the smart one do what it's supposed to do, it's going to save us money. I think we need some smart ones here in the church, but anyway, so this week, we're like, the thermostat says 78, it's set on 72. What does that mean? Huh? It ain't working. (laughs) So I go outside, and my line is like frozen solid on the outside. So I think that that is an indicator that my thing needs charged. Is that right? Yeah. So it could be that, whatever he just said. Yep, very well could be. I give you that one. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I'm just saying that it's 78 inside. And that's the indicator that I needed that it's broke. You know what I'm saying? So I call my guy and I'm like, hey, everybody's got your guy. You know what I mean? I call my guy and he's like, I got pneumonia. And I'm like, I don't trust nobody else to touch my." I had a really bad experience one time. I mean, really bad. Like these guys ended up coming to my house, slashing my tire, gouging the side of my truck bed bad. Right. And and I know it was them. I'm you remember that? It was bad. Anyway, so that's what happens when we call people that are on Google that we don't know and trust. So I'm like, bro, how long is this pneumonia supposed to last? I mean, I'll put you in a wheelchair and bring you to the house. You know what I'm saying? But you know what's good about it is that my basement is done, and it's like 65 constant down there. So we've been hanging out. Glory to God. See, the Lord knew in his providence that I would need that finished. Um, But anyway, those those indicators, as fancy as they are, it's still not going to keep your AC running. Right, it's just an indicator. There's a bigger problem. There's a bigger issue. So I just want to make sure that we're not getting so like, especially in our church. I want to keep things simple, simple, simply. What? Jesus. Right. And so that we're not becoming overly fascinated with the smart thermostat or the Alexa or the. You know what I'm. You know what I'm saying. You get the. All right, you get it. I'm beating a dead horse. It, it died like two minutes ago. Okay. Let's go back to the first thermostat, verse 15. Look at the text, verse 15. Luke 12, 15. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of what? Covetousness. The first indicator is what? Money. Y'all say it together. The first indicator is? Money. Money. Covetousness. The first indicator, the thermostat that will let us know if spiritually we are doing the right things or not. All right, I'm just going to roll through. I have a lot of information, and I've got some time to give this to you, but I want to make some observations about the parable. How many of you remember the story I just read? Right? He was a farmer. You you get it. So I'm going to give you some observations, and then I'm going to give you some application for each thermostat indicator, and then at the end, (laughs) I'm going to put a bright, shiny bow on it, and we're going to wrap it all up, and hopefully uh, all of us hit the reset buttons on our thermostats. Make sure that the system is, is doing well, so to speak. Y'all in? Y'all okay? All right. How many of you, if the Holy Spirit of God told you to change something, you would change it? Only three of you. Wow. All right, let's pray. We're, we'll be dismissed. <laughs> Lord knows you ain't gonna change if I say it. (laughs) Let's try that one more time. If the Holy Spirit of God told you that something wasn't right, how many of you would change it? Okay, that's better. (laughs) Help us, loud. Tough crowd. (laughs) Here's my observations on money, on the first, on the parable that Jesus introduces. Number one, I think you'll find these things interesting. It was a farmer that was rich, he was rich. Right? In the story that Jesus was giving, allegorically, he's, he's posturing this story to, to fit what he's trying to say spiritually, Right, a physical uh, story to express a spiritual meaning. So it was a farmer that was rich. Number two, these are my observations, take it or leave it. Number two, the ground was bringing forth much fruit. Yes or no? Yes. How many of you see that in the story, that it was the ground that was bringing forth fruit? Do you see that? Here's the third thing he decided to build bigger barns so that he could continue to maximize every inch of his plentiful land. So what I'm saying isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's going to get to the end of the story, though, where you find that it took an unhealthy twist. So some of the things that the guy was doing, I was like, you know, that's smart. Because if the barn is on his land and he can just go up, And build a bigger barn. What does that mean? Huh? He can store more without what? Still have the land. So the guy's thinking. He's going, there's something going on. My property is just producing like crazy. So I'm going to tear down this barn. And I'm going to build a bigger one in its place. Because if I go over here and I build another barn... What's going to happen is is that little piece of land that could be producing isn't going to be producing anymore because it's just holding stuff. That's pretty good thinking, isn't it? The Bible's pretty smart. This guy in the story. anyway, He decided to build a bigger barn so he could continue to maximize every little bit of his land. Good or bad? I would say. It's good things. Number four, the end result of his riches was for himself. That's where the story went wrong. Ecclesiastes 7, 13 through 14. Let's go there. Ecclesiastes, I penciled in a lot of these scriptures. So I just, if you have your Bibles, turn to it. Ecclesiastes 7, verses 13. It says this. This is Solomon. Think about it. The richest man... Who's ever lived? The wisest man who's ever lived. That's the person who's pinning this. Verse 13 Consider the work of God. For who can make that straight which he hath made what? Crooked. Crooked or crooked. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. But in the day of adversity, what's it say? Consider. God also hath set the one over against the other, to the end that man should find nothing after him. All things have I seen in the days of my vanity. There is a just man that perisheth in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man that prolongeth his life in his wickedness. Let's be careful not to judge something that God is doing. Let's be careful not to project our feelings onto something that God is doing in his sovereignty. So, I would say this. The man's land was what was bringing forth him what? Fruit and crop. Mm -hmm. Who was controlling that? That was God's call, not his. And there are times when things happen in our lives that we are the beneficiary of all these things that God is doing, but it's what we do with those things that is where the thermostat lies. And if we're not careful, we're going to get caught up in the process of what God is doing and forget the fact that God has measuring indicators over here that keep us safe. What happens if you win the lottery and you don't have an indicator over here how to spiritually handle your money? They gone. Who can make straight what God has made crooked? Solomon is the one to say that. He asked God for all the wisdom in the world. And what happened? God gave it to him. Boom. He got the download. Solomon got under. God put the USB in wherever God puts the USB and uploaded this software to Solomon's mind. And here's Solomon with all the understanding to make all the money in all the world. What do you do with that? The Bible says that Solomon got to the end of his life and all was empty. Yo, how's it going to be empty? When you know how to handle everything the right way, because he let that thermostat indicator, he put it in some kind of closet, never looked at it, and he just ran wild with what God did in his life. You know, I I feel like, like I said today, if you'll get this message and receive it in your heart, this city could be changed. Because God could use you to funnel finances into the work of God, but if he downloads the if he downloads that software into your memory bank and you don't use it, it's no good. Man, who can make straight what God makes crooked? Understand this, the Bible does not forbid the possession of money. In fact, it teaches that God gives the power to make wealth Deuteronomy 8.18. God gave you the power to make wealth and richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. 1 Timothy 6.17. Write it down. Go read it. There's your license. Go have fun. God's given me the power to make all this money. (laughs) It's what you do with it. It's the thermostat indicator, though, that says you're in a right place, a healthy place, or a wrong place. Here's, Here's some things. So the end result of his riches was for himself... And here's the fifth observation. As soon as his life was set in the physical sense, his spiritual life was called upon by God. Here's the scary thing. The indicator of whether he was in a good place or a bad, bad, bad place was this. Look at, uh, let's, let's look down here at our story. i gotta be back to it. Look back. Luke chapter 12 and verse number... 19, and I will say to my soul, man speaking, outward, I'm good, I've got everything I need. The man says to his soul, the inward place, watch this, thou hast much goods, verse 19, Luke chapter 12, laid up for many years, take thine what? Ease, eat, drink, be merry. Now watch this, but God said unto him, thou what? Fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall all these things be? The problem is, is that man was using external resources to feed his internal self. So he goes, hey soul, hey inward place, hey worry, hey anxiety, which we're getting there. Take ease. It's all good. You don't have a care or concern or worry in the world. Pick a different car if you want to take it out. We got food. We have abundance. The spiritual thermostat, man, we set it to whatever temperature we want. Soul, we're good. And then God said, he died. That's what happened in the story. As soon as he had all these things, boom, he died and he was in front of his maker. And God said, "Uh, your soul is up to me. Not up to how much money you have not up to your possessions. The infinite is in my ballpark. The finite is in yours. What has a beginning and an end is something that I'm letting you steward. But the eternal soul is up to me. Here's a problem. When we say, well, they're just being blessed by God. God must must be for what they're doing because they're, They got all the things that they need. Be careful. That's not an indicator of their eternal security. Finances is not, a a have or not have is not an indicator of eternal security. But it could very well show the trajectory of where their heart is. But in this sense, what he very well needed to be able to control, right? The destiny of his soul, he couldn't. The finite. There is finite and there is infinite. Let me ask this question: What are you surrounding yourself with? Go to First Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians chapter three. Come on. First Corinthians three, verse twelve. This is some weighty stuff. 1 Corinthians 3.12, Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, the day, the day you stand before God, what your work and your worth is for what you've done in this life will be declared, because it shall be revealed by fire, And the fire shall try every man's work, of what sort it is. Verse 14 If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a what? Reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be what? Saved, yet so as by fire. The point Paul is trying to make is that there are things that you do that have eternal value, eternality. They are infinite, not finite. So in your life, you have to determine if what you are doing is depositing into the infinite realm, the spiritual realm, the realm that will be tried by fire by God, and it will either last or it will burn up. You're depositing only into a finite, temporary, this man in this story, as soon as he got to God, Uh, and then God looked at him and goes, now who's going to go enjoy all that? What does that mean? What he made deposits in was what? Finite. It was not eternal. I mean, we've all heard the story. Let's just put it super practically. You can't take it what? Right, okay. So it's how we deploy it, how we use it. The spiritual thermostat of our money is real. Here's the thermostat of money. You ready? Here's three things. Three things that you need to take home. Those were all observations about the story. Hmm. Number one, where your money is, is where your heart is. Where your money is, is where your heart is. It was very obvious when God required this man's soul at the end of his life that his heart was where? With the money that he could have absolutely no control of after he died. Look at Luke 12:34. Luke 12:34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Right there in the text just a few verses away, we understand that where your treasure is, where your money is is where your heart is. So here's where the, the thermostat becomes super practical. Where's your money? Where's your money? Let's let's get our statement out. Let's get our bank statement out, and let's look at 30 days. Let's look at 60 days. Let's look at 90 days. Where your money has gone is where your what heart is. Plain and simple. This is your work. This is not, I'm just going to give you a few points, right, of of what the text is is telling us to do with this. And then it's up to you to put the time in. It's up to you to put your faith where it belongs in order, right? So we find here that Luke 12, 34, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Luke 19, 8 through 10, Zacchaeus returned and gave above and beyond after his conversion. When Jesus encountered Zacchaeus, the short little man, right, right? Remember that little kid song we sang, Zacchaeus was a wee little man? I don't think we can do that nowadays. That would be considered discriminatory. (laughs) Like, what's up with that? You know, the songs that we used to sing as kids in Sunday school, now, no go. I think we're discriminating against short people. Uh, But anyway, Zacchaeus, the Bible says, was short, and so he had to climb up in a sycamore tree. I think that was added. But anyway, he had to climb up in a tree to view where Jesus is, and then he finds Jesus, and basically he ends up having this, this moment, this appointment, right? This appointed time with Jesus. And he has a salvation experience. And in Luke 19, the strange thing that happens, it's not strange at all, he sets the thermostat right as soon as he had a conversion, the Bible says that the first thing that came to Zacchaeus's mind is all the people that he did wrong financially. And he went back and paid them two and threefold. There's something that happens when you have a genuine conversion with God. Money is not the object anymore. Your faith is. And you understand that money is a big deal to people. That's whether in this day and age, whether they lived or What? died. Whether they lived or died probably was in his hand and he was extorting. He was taking advantage of. And what kind of testimony is that? What kind of thermostat is that? Zacchaeus two and three and four fold above and beyond. He showed uh, this liberal nature in his finances after his conversion. That's number one. Where your money is is where your heart is. Number two, just like the farmer's land, God is the one that is allowing the success or failure. Just like the farmer, God is allowing the success or failure. Why do I point that out? Because we worry about that. We worry about not having or having. True? Man, I I just, I don't know. The story that Jesus told was specific. The story was a farmer, and he was getting rich, and the point was he was getting rich because God was blessing him. We have to get to a place where our faith finds itself in the physical places. You know, it's one thing for you to just, in this ethereal mindset of, yes, the Holy Spirit and all these things, and I come to church and I feel great, and then Monday through Saturday, you just go live the exact same way you've been living for forever. There's no change. There's no different perspective. But a changed life, a student of Scripture, a disciple of Jesus, simply Jesus says, you're the father of all things? That means that now until next Sunday, you're going to provide for me. Hopefully that makes sense. Just like the farmer's land. Number three, this is an important test of motives. What I, find, uh, what I found most, um, I would say, convicting in this story is that it was largely a testament to the man's motives. The nature of money is so scandalous because it can be immediately used for life change and immediately used to bring havoc on your life. Why is this thermostat so important? Because immediately you can take $500 and go out and wreck your life. Or you can take $500 and literally go outside and change someone's life. That's scandalous. That's radical. Why is this so important? Because it's a part of life change. I think we've reached a point where we're just like, man, I, I just want to go, go to God and worship, and it is what it, what it is, and I want to find a church that isn't after my money. And I mean, I get it. I really do. Give me one second. <laughs> I get it. Why do I get it? Because of the prosperity gospel. There are guys on TV, on the internet, I mean, just like raking it in, rolling deep in them Bentleys, you know what I'm saying? I mean, if I just had to tie the Joel Osteen's paycheck, we'd be all right. <laughs> I'm just saying, there's a reason why the father of all lies is into the money. Because he knows it's devastating. Money in the hands of the wrong people does some devastating things. Yeah. Just like if it's in the hands of saved, God-fearing, God-honoring people, it changes lives. Some of you participate in worldwide missions. You're changing the lives. I get the update. How many of you watched that update from Ben the It's just amazing. Like, your finances, when you committed to give to missions... It is sending people to the Ivory Coast and it's going to change hundreds of thousands of lives as they get involved in that clinic there. It's it's unreal. Our money immediately has an impact on people's lives where the the eternal being of God can be shared with folks across the world. That's, That's a game changer. So regardless of how we feel about it, We can't separate the fact that it's church and money and, like, no, they go hand in hand. It's a thermostat on how your spiritual life is going. And that's what Jesus is introducing to us. We're not going to get to the next one. An important test of motives. I feel like we all just really need to search our heart on this one. You know what I mean? Really have that moment with God and determine whether or not we're doing right by it. I think that, you know, there are specific things in the Bible that outline how to do it, and we're going to get to that. But at this moment in time, where is your heart right now? Are you struggling with it? Like, don't don't talk about money. Don't, don't, mm -mm, nope. I got got this, my retirement, my, like, I ain't touching that. The man stood before God, and God said, who's going to what? Who's going to spend it? So in this moment, I want you to just take some time and discover self-discovery. Because the next topic that we're going to go in, the second thermostat, I believe it's a hot-button issue for today. I want to introduce you to it. Real quick, verse 22, Luke 12, 22. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, take no, what does it say? Thought. Think about that. Take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat, neither for the body, what ye shall put on. The life is more than what? Meat. And the body more than raiment. In other words, it's more than what you eat and what you wear. Consider the what? Ravens. Yeah, we're going to have just as bad of a season. this No. Uh, <laughs> For they neither sow nor reap, which neither have a storehouse nor a barn. So he just got done talking about this man who ripped down one storehouse and what? Build a bigger one. And now he's saying, I think think I'll just cruise right through this. And now he's saying, consider the raven. I, I looked it up. It's true. The funny thing about the raven is that it's worried about its next meal, its next thing. And the Bible says that God provides that for him. He doesn't think about what? Storing. Look at the next, look at 24. God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? In other words, you're a human being. You're created in God's image. Oh my goodness gracious. Verse 25. And which of you with taking thought can add to his stature? Zacchaeus, one cubit. If ye then be able to do that thing which is the least, why take ye thought for the rest? Verse 27, consider the lilies how they grow, they toil not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon, we just talked about that guy, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. He had all the wisdom, all the resources, all the power, and he doesn't look nearly as good as that pretty flower that springs up with no bank account. My goodness gracious. If then God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, neither be ye doubted, uh, a doubtful mind, of a doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. Don't we know that? As a country, Trade war. We're just interested in getting ours and making sure that we have money, making sure that we can feed, making sure that we're set for a lifetime. That's all the nations worry about. Consider this. Your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things, but rather, oh my goodness gracious, seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The second thermostat is anxiety. Can you listen fast? You put a thermostat on a wall and it shows, where's your money? Where's your money going? How's it looking? What's it set to? Well, it's set to 10 percent. I tied. That's great. If that's what you're doing, that's, that's fantastic. You're involved in that. But what about the next thermostat? Just when we get over the hump of our finances, we find this, this thermostat of anxiety. Take no what thought. Don't worry about tomorrow. What ye shall eat or drink. You see, it wasn't enough for Jesus said, what are you doing with your money? He's like, now that I've told you that you shouldn't be focused on just you controlling it, there should be a kingdom mentality towards your finances. What about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear? Unfortunately, most people, what they're mostly concerned about is what? Where are we going to eat? The Bible says, whose God is their belly? Or, what are we going to wear? How many of you pick out your outfits for the week? Anybody? A few, a few. That's unscriptural, just so you know. <laughs> God, take that thought. I'm just kidding. That's not what he's meaning here. Consider the thermostat of anxiety. Worry is the enemy of the kingdom of God. Okay, all right, you got it, Pastor Matt. I'm going to be a funnel, and I'm just going to let God bless all these people and send worldwide missions everywhere, and our church is going to get bigger, and it's going to expand because I'm going to bless it financially, and we're going to hire more people, people that are going to do ministry work, and we're going to reach the city with the gospel of Christ. This is going to be amazing. And then as soon as you go to write that first check, how am I going to eat? <laughs> I need new clothes. Do you understand the progression that Jesus just led us through? He knows that as you build faith and you go to do something, the liar, the devil, the deceiver, the accuser is going to be right there and go, hey, <laughs> go ahead and write that check. Then what are you going to do? Doesn't that scare you? What kind of parent are you? Your kids, they're not going to have anything. They're going to be the one in the class that was just like you. Same old clothes, going to Goodwill, hand-me-downs. You didn't want that for your kids, remember? Taking thought, taking thought, haunted. Oh, no, 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 no. I'll just, I'll just, give, I'll just give what I can. I'll give what I can. Worry is the enemy of the kingdom of God. If we truly believe that there is an eternal work and that people hear the gospel because... We learned this in class today. God is going to use the church of God to get the gospel around the world. And we're scared. Anxiety, our thermostat is at sub-zero, right? If anxiety is being cold. Or it's at 130 if it's being hot. With a show of hands of anxiety, I feel like it is like the hot-button issue. And we're not approaching it scripturally. Jesus, if he was the therapist, he would say, you know why you have so much anxiety? Because you're trying to control everything. Take no thought. Two spiritual thermostats. Finances, money, and anxiety. We are going to like, I mean, this is going to be like Greg Hensler on the cruise next week. If you saw that video on Facebook, we are going to dive into this next week. We're going to do a complete belly flop into this topic of anxiety. But listen, you your homework this week is to start with the first point. How do you view money? How do you view finances? It's about to get real. Next week, all of you are going to be gone. <laughs> I ain't coming back for that one. Let's let him let him tie that series up. I'll be back the following week. Let's go more spiritual next time, Pastor Matt. Love you. God bless you. <laughs> Church, it's so important. Here, here's what I want to do. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one's looking around. No one's looking. How many of you have a real struggle with anxiety? Raise your hand and show God. Show God. Not me. Come on. Raise your hand. Nobody's looking except me. I'm going to be praying for you this week, but but church, I'm going to give you a a real live biblical fix for it. You can put your hands down. I asked you a question in the beginning of the message. I said, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you and asks you to change something, would you change it? So I want you to do this throughout the week. Read Luke chapter 12 throughout the week. And then when we come and we finish this message next week, there's going to be three points at the end. They're kingdom responses to these two thermostats in our life, judging our spiritual condition three kingdom responses and so what i'm what i'm asking you to do is this week i need you to pray with me i need you to pray say holy spirit of god reveal in me the right way to do finances holy spirit of god reveal in me the right way to handle my anxiety because right now and i'm with you church this spoke to me this week right now i'm not handling it well right now it's a struggle All the things that I know are completely out of my control, I want to control them. But I'm going to give you a scriptural response, the same response Jesus gave those students 2,000 years ago. And I, I promise you, it is so applicable to 2019. You're going to dig it.